This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. You know, the World Health Organization is raising the risk assessment of COVID-19 to very high at the global level. The WHO's Director General says there are now 4,351 cases of the new coronavirus in 49 countries. We still have a chance of containing this virus. If robust action is taken to detect cases early, isolate and care for patients, and trace contacts. What is spreading rather freely right now is misinformation, and it's time to turn our attention to science. Take a moment to, to listen to, talk to Dr. Peter Hotez here, an infectious disease specialist at Baylor College of Medicine and Texas Children's Hospital, and has been integral in vaccinology in past outbreaks like SARS. So glad to welcome the professor to the show. Thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for having me back. You know what's so interesting is trying to track you down today. You said, hold on, I've just got, I got to do this thing with CNN. And I know on your Twitter feed, you just did MSNBC. And, and then you're doing Fox. Like, you're literally educating an entire nation. Well, more importantly, I'm unifying the country. Uh, you know, going back and forth to MSNBC and Fox News, the two ends of the political spectrum. So that's fun, too. And important. It is important because the topic that we really want to speak with you about is how much misinformation is out there. And when we see misinformation coming from the highest of levels or just distraction, uh, saying things like, this is just the flu, just the flu. And in speaking with you over the last, what, six, seven weeks now, we know this is more than just the flu, right? Well, a couple of things about that. One, there's no such thing as just the flu. The flu is a pretty bad illness. Actually, even the president found that out. President Trump found that out a couple of days ago, and he talked about some of the numbers linked to flu. And we've had 14,000 people in the U.S. die this flu season, including almost 100 kids who were not vaccinated despite, uh, uh, despite recommendations by the CDC to get vaccinated. So flu is a bad actor, this one, I think, is even worse in many ways. And, and the, by this, I mean the new SARS-2 coronavirus. And the reason I say that is we've got some numbers out of China, and, and assuming the numbers out of China hold up in North America, it's going to be a, a tough ride. Uh, we, we know that the case fatality rate is around 2%, which is about 10, 20 times higher than flu. Initially, when that 2% number came out, uh, a number of investigators looked at that said, yeah, but that doesn't really account for the people with low-grade symptoms or without symptoms, so it's far lower than 2%. But then uh, Bruce Elward from the World Health Organization two days ago came out with his assessment. I think he may be right that that 2% number looks like it's going to hold. It's real. So we're looking at something that is significantly more uh, uh, serious and lethal than than typical seasonal influenza. Uh, so that, that's a concern, as, especially if among high-risk populations like our healthcare workers. Uh, we've seen a, a big hit on healthcare workers in China. And those older people who, um, over the age of 60, as well as those with underlying diabetes and hypertension and other chronic conditions. So I'm, I'm concerned about that. I'm also concerned about the transmissibility of this virus. It looks like it's uh, may be significantly more uh, infectious or transmissible than typical seasonal influenza is. And uh, the Chinese scientists have come up with some numbers. 
uh, to uh, account for that. So this is not if 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 this virus gains a significant foothold in North America, in the U.S. and Canada and Mexico, as many think, then it's 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 going to be very tough over the next few weeks. So let's talk about just what exactly tough looks like. When we're at this, what the World Health Organization uh, Director General said this morning at the briefing, we're at this decisive point. Where are we now and where might we go in in the days and weeks to come? Because you've been sort of predicting all along over the last six, seven weeks since we've been talking with incredible accuracy as to what we might be seeing next. Where are we at now and what, what can we expect possibly? Well, right now, I think we may be seeing the beginning of some community-level transmission. Um, this is happening right now in Northern California. Uh, there may be some of this going on in Mexico right now. I'm not so sure about Canada, but um, the big question is this. What's it going to look like over the next few weeks? Will it be uh, small areas of local community transmission and maybe half a dozen or even a dozen pockets across North America, or will it be something more substantial? Will we be talking about a third of the country infected or half the country's infected, you know, uh, a, meaning a, a sizable chunk of, of the population? That's where we don't know, and, uh, and because it's a new virus agent, so we really don't have a way to predict. You know, there's a, also a lot of influencing factors, how quickly we can uh, implement uh, protective measures, especially among our healthcare workers. Whether there's seasonality to this virus, uh, some coronaviruses have seasonality, especially in the northern hemisphere, peaking in the winter, dying down in the spring or summer. Uh, the pre- President Trump has talked about this, but we really don't know. It's a brand new virus agent, if, if that's the case as well. So, unfortunately, there's more we don't know than we do know, and, and that's often the toughest for the people of the U.S. and Canada. You know, I think, you know, from my experiences, once people know what they're in for, what, what they're going to be dealing with, people can hunker down and, and get ready for it. It's, I think it's the unknown that could be very frightening for people, and it's frightening for scientists as well. Yeah, it, it is that sort of underlying piece of, of just tension where it's becoming the topic. People are throwing down the word pandemic, which we're not there yet, right? We haven't reached the global uh, breadth of a pandemic with this particular COVID-19 virus, have we? Well, you know, when, when we talk about pandemic, what we're usually referring to is sustained transmission in multiple parts of the country in significant levels. We're certainly inching towards that. I agree we're not there yet. Uh, so the World Health Organization is specifically not using the P word, but I'm not sure it really matters that much. We, you know, in terms of our public health preparedness, what we have to do in the U.S. and Canada, we have to assume that it will gain pandemic status. And if it doesn't happen, great. But at least we're at least we're ready. Right. The preparations are key. And we learned a great deal, as you and I have spoke about before. We've learned a great deal from the SARS outbreak of 2003, which helps particularly here in Canada, because Toronto was so central to that, that our healthcare system have uh, protections in place to manage as best as possible. But it feels like when we're looking at hollowed out 
cities in China and and hundreds of millions of people in in lockdown scenario. We're watching uh, similar things happening in South Korea. Now there's what has been taking place in Milan and Fashion Week there being shut down and and just travel being of big concern and and Paris Fashion Week is next and there's some news surrounding that. Is it is it an, is it a no brainer? Uh, professor, for people to sort of pull back a little bit. The last time we spoke, I said, you know, what do we got to do? We got to wash hands. We got to get vaccinated. And you did slide in there and maybe avoid uh, very densely uh, populated gatherings. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, with that last part, definitely you want to make certain you're up to date on your flu vaccinations. At least take that off the table. Yeah. You don't want to make the Canadian health authorities have to battle flu and this new coronavirus at the same time, same with you know, getting your kids vaccinated against measles and other up-to-date childhood vaccinations. In terms of changing behaviors at this point, uh, I, I, I'm saying not to at this point because okay. if, if we, we don't have evidence of significant levels of transmission either in the U.S. and Canada except for that one area in, in Northern California. Uh, but be mindful and stay close to the news because this is uh, this could change pretty quickly. But the point that I've been trying to make is, you know, it's not as if we're going to go from uh, nothing to half the country infected, right? You're not all of a sudden going to wake up tomorrow and find millions of people in Ontario and and uh, and, and neighboring provinces. Uh, uh, infected with this virus, you're going to have some time to prepare because you'll see these little focal areas of transmission, and then you'll get the uh, and then you'll you then you'll get that that kind of notice and warning. So I, I would uh, keep keep uh, keep doing what you're doing. I'm still flying domestically. I haven't uh, altered my travel schedule yet. Um, Unfortunately, I, no one's offering me Stanley Cup tickets, uh, so I, I don't have that option. But if, if somebody were to offer them to me, I would certainly still accept them. Um, and so there you are. So we're not, we're, we're being uh, diligent in being informed uh, because there have been sort of pardon the pun, but viral pieces that have gone uh, f- far and wide of misinformation about this and people talking about, you know, stockpiling food and food insecurity and, and being ready to hunker down and how, you know, we were, we're watching the, the Dow crash. I mean, it's, 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 a tough, it's a tough moment for people when, when news is disseminated in a way that perhaps isn't fact-based. That's why you're in such high demand right yeah, now. Yeah, and that's, and, that's, and, and that's why we need such, why good public health communication is important. Um, the one thing that, that I would recommend, at least on the U.S. side, is now that President Trump is a, uh, a appointed not one czar, but it looks like two czar, well, a czar and a czarina, um, uh, Dr. Burks and, and our vice president, you know, those individuals or somebody they designate needs to be out there, maybe not every day, but every couple of days, giving an update and explaining to the public uh, what they think might happen next, because that can definitely uh, allay some fears uh, and, and anxieties, and probably the, the same in Canada as well. So I would say, you know, having good public health communication, what you want to avoid is a situation that happened a few days ago in the U.S., 
where you had, uh, and these are all good people, but they had different perspectives. So one from CDC saying the sky is falling. Then you had Secretary Azar sort of dialing that back. And then you had Homeland Security sort of un- un- uncertain about things. Then you had the White House saying, no, uh, don't worry, be happy. Yeah. And that, and that itself, when there's that kind of disagreement, it causes loss of confidence. So really getting on the same page and messaging is absolutely critical. That's why I follow you on Twitter religiously. Thank you for this. Yeah, my pleasure. And, uh, you know, this is a dialogue. We'll just keep going. You always answer the call, and I very much appreciate that, Professor. Thank you. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Dr. Peter Hotez, infectious disease specialist at Baylor College of Medicine in Texas Children's Hospital, and he's in vaccinology. This, is, this guy was on the team that developed the vaccine for SARS.